2: I'm feeling festive already. Oh
3: my God. (laughs) UK Tech Weekly Podcast. UK Tech Weekly Podcast had a very weekly pod, UK Tech Weekly Podcast, you might even say oh god, UK Tech Weekly Podcast, laughed at us and called us names, UK Tech Weekly Podcast, join in with our podcast game, ho 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 and welcome to this newest sack of pleasure from the UK Tech Weekly Podcast, the UK's merriest weekly tech podcast, dropping knowledge down your mental chimney once a week. The UK Tech Weekly podcast is an infotainment sleigh bell rung by the editors of PC Advisor, TechWorld, MacWorld UK, Computer World UK and, this week, Digital Arts. Every Friday we audition for an audio pantomime, slapping our audio thighs, dancing with fading audio celebrities and insisting that, oh no, we audio didn't, in order to bring you no more than 40 minutes of informed chat on the hot tech topics of the past seven days. Please don't forget to subscribe, review and tell your friends. I'm David Price, Acting Editor of Macworld UK, and today I am delighted to be joined for a festive chat by Principal Boy, Don Preston, Staff Writer on PC Advisor and Macworld. Hello. Wicked Stepmother, Miriam Harris, Staff Writer on Digital Arts. Hello. And back end of the pantomime horse, Scott (laughs) Carey, Online Editor of Techworld. Hello. This week we are talking design, presence and Star Wars. Live long and prosper. Miriam Harris. I'll be honest, it's been a pretty crappy year, Uh, so can you cheer us up? What's in store for us in 2017?
1: I think I can cheer us up, but I am taking the challenge to explain visual trends with an audio-only medium, so bear with me. But um, as you were saying, we definitely have had a year of uncertainty, as we all know, Brexit, Trump, fake news circulating on Facebook, and it's kind of created this um, environment of... Not so sure about the truth. So for 2017, the visual trends are kind of translating that un- uncompromising clarity. So we've just had a look at colour, graphic design, um, photography, branding, everything that you'll want to know if you are in the creative industries, if you're with a client or a product, um, kind of wanting to know the context that you'll put it in.
3: And you, and you say this, but this will actually, I'm, I'm guessing, filter through into... The sort of the world at large, products at large.
1: Yeah, um, you'll see it all around you: billboards, what you buy. It's kind of you know.
3: I'm visual- sort of I'm I'm reminded. Sorry to interrupt, but I'm sort of reminded of um, Have you seen The Devil Wears Prada? I is have. There's a brilliant bit in that. I love it. Where um uh who is who is the woman in that? Meryl Streep. Now with the younger one, um, oh, Anne, Hathaway, uh, Anne, Anne Hathaway. Hathaway. Anne Hathaway. Yes. Anne Hathaway's wearing a blue jumper. And, yes. and she's saying to Meryl Streep that she's not affected by um, fashion trends at all. And then Meryl Streep sort of schools her and, he, and she says basically that she chose that colour sort of three years earlier. <laughs> and It's filtered <laughs> gradually through. Um, and I understand. I mean, I, I have no <clears throat> design eye to speak of and certainly no fashion eye. But I appreciate that the things <laughs> that people like you are aware of now, I will wear or yeah, see all the time. I mean, it doesn't always
1: years. happen. It's just good to have an idea and context of what of what people are wanting to see and craving to see in their design. So, for example, the color of the year for twenty seventeen was greenery, um, chosen by Pantone, and that's kind of reflecting our desire to get back in touch with the great outdoors, bring nature into the home, kind of this engineering nature type thing. Um, you say
3: greenery. Greenery. How, is that different to green? <laughs> Because we already Blood's have green. It's basically
1: <laughs> green. It's just like an earthy, natural green. Yeah. Okay. That's I, what I find this it.
2: fascinating. So wait, Pantone basically like hands down from on high, the colour palette for the year. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. It's
3: going to be a green year.
1: Yeah, it's going to be green. Yeah, so you'll see it. Last
3: year was a... You tell black. me, David. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was, yeah, in retrospect, Miriam is uh, is aware that I actually secretly looked this up. Last year we had two colours, apparently. Yes. Pink and blue. Not pink and blue. What were they called? Oh. Rose Rose Quartz, quartz
1: and I can't remember the other one. Serenity. Oh, that's Serenity. quite interesting, though,
3: because ro- it was the year of
2: Rose Gold, wasn't it? Um, in our products, I think.
3: It's it filtered through into a few. There were Rose Gold products in 2015 as well. But there seemed to have um, been a lot this year. Yeah. yeah it went true.
4: beyond Apple, didn't it, this year? Yeah.
3: Yeah. And well, there's nothing beyond Apple. That's
4: um, where it all ends. <laughs> Does that mean we've got green smartphones to look forward to in 2017
3: then? Maybe,
1: maybe. Oh, but definitely oh, in gosh. terms of home <laughs> homeware, you'll see that, and in fashion as well. Kind of this khaki upcycling um, mixed in with these deep reds, browns. It's earthy, kind of what, natural. What is upcycling? It's when you. I feel like I'm saying what's up. When you take an old product and you turn it into a new one. Yeah, so you, you can
2: dig your old khaki shorts back out there for the
1: year.
3: I
2: have, I have
1: exactly. Bermuda shorts.
2: Okay. I
3: think I ever had khaki shorts.
1: I feel like I've seen a lot of khaki already in British winter fashion, so I think everyone's right on trend there. Is that a little bit of shade then about British <laughs> No, I, th- I think it's a great colour, you can't really go wrong. Um, and also in terms of photography, we are kind of seeing this rise of women that are more concerned with what she does than what she wears. You can see it in recent campaigns for Nike and and dove, kind of this active, prepared to get your hands dirty type of woman and this will translate into also a 90s feel um, for aesthetics, not just photography, but maybe graphic design as well in terms of this raw emotion, unfiltered portraits, you know, it's all about spontaneity, movement, candid, this kind of truth to capturing a moment and this personalisation of a story rather than posing so I'm thinking of 90s photographers which we talked about earlier Scott Wolfgang Tillmans and Terry Richardson yeah kind I've heard, I've heard this that. sort
2: of 90s thing in, cult, in cultural circles as well saying that this year well 2017 we'll see Um, a lot more appropriating of like 90s trends um there's been a lot of 80s stuff doing like stranger things was very 80s aesthetic Uh, a lot of um black mirror in san junipero went back to 1980s and it'll be interesting to see if um everything sort of starts referencing the 90s a lot more which is terrifying really as someone (laughs) that was you know born in the 80s that that (laughs) we've like we're moving through the decades on like a steady steady
1: i was
3: already finding it pretty terrible I was born in the 70s yeah Yeah, um, And Stranger Things for me was was weird. I was just like, oh, yeah, this is just a normal programme. Mm. Actually, it was nostalgic. Yeah. Very strange.
1: Yeah, especially you'll start to see it on social media platforms as well because um, they're trying to target that demographic, which were born in the 90s as a general, you know, oh, or on. late 80s, <laughs> 90s. How can I, I born I'm in the 90s? I guess I'm a prime example <laughs> of this. So, yeah, get back in touch People
2: with that.
3: born in the 2000s are nearly old enough to drink. Oh, come on. <laughs> This is um, all very distressing. Yeah. <laughs> Can we talk um, about people that are older than me? There must be somebody. There must be someone out there. Someone out there, someone. anywhere. Just not in this room. Uh, uh, David. Scott, you, you often um, look at things from a business perspective. Can you see any of this um, having, a, having a business angle? I mean, what about logos? Are companies going to take this on and start having green logos? Yeah, well... khaki logo. It's,
1: it's more the simplicity thing with logos. We've already started to see that with Kodak, NatWest, Co-op, going back to these simple vector-based shapes, um, returning to their retro logos from the 60s to bring back authenticity and the history of the of their brand um, as opposed to creating, yeah, new complex ones. And um,
2: who, who's the agency that's been having like a hell of a year? Like they, they did Uber, Premier League...
1: I can't remember the name of the yes, agency, but you can nine. see
2: you can see with like the big rebrands at like the back end of twenty sixteen with like Uber, uh, Premier League, and uh, Deliveroo, where mm. they went from like complex logos to very sort of simple angular ones. Um, and yeah, it'd yeah, be interested to see if that continues through.
1: Yeah, I think it will. I think that's kind of what everyone's craving in a world where you know products and logos can be produced so digi- digitally and quickly. It's good to see craftsmanship and authenticity and simplicity out of that kind of.
2: Yeah, I think with Uber and Deliveroo and and even Premier League to an extent, um, it needs to be clear enough in like the form of an app widget and that's why uh, exactly. like, making it simple um, makes it stand out on your home screen a bit more. Yeah, I think that's it. In, like informed those decisions.
3: Like we, like we used to change digital magazine covers so that they would work in the little thumbnail in iTunes. Yeah, digital yeah. magazine
2: because you can't have it like stacked full of cover lines because yeah. you can't read them.
3: No, oh, exactly. This reminds me of iOS seven actually. And I again, <laughs> I mean, again I'm gonna have to get back to Apple. <laughs> But this is three years ago that Apple got rid of all the, they called it skewmorphism, yeah. which is a word i have never heard of before. That <laughs> year. Yeah, um, yeah. But they, they shipped right. the whole of iOS back down to these, yeah, like ve- vector forms. Uh, yeah. Took all the simplicity. Instagram's
1: another into. example that's just changed their little icon from, yeah, yeah skewmorphism to yeah. more vector. So, yeah, you'll just start to see simplicity in general coming through all of these, yeah, different visual trends. And they'll just help you to decide where you want to place your product or your brand or, yeah. So There's in a way idea.
3: this these trends are in response to what we've um experienced in 2016 the
1: absolutely the, the I would say oh, so year.
3: yeah, exactly. <laughs> do, do you feel, Miriam, in a way that this is gonna have any positive countering effect on that is it Is this just designers and artists not having any control over the world and just doodling away and changing that? <laughs> and
1: um, I hope I hope it'll have a positive impact, but definitely it's all about just individual kind of stories and your personal um, taste. So I think trends in general are actually becoming less important now in a world where it's all about collaboration. You know, you see these new brands come out and they've only been in logos and they've only been decided on the visual design um, through. Um, like online blogs of getting everyone involved and deciding you know that like mozilla firefox is going through that at the moment they're getting everyone online to decide on the best kind of brand design so it's all about collaboration is isn't when that when always dangerous
2: that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, with like say. voting on mm. boat face <laughs> <laughs> and the like
3: well the last uh, expansion to the board game cosmic encounter was all based on uh, reader suggestions and player suggestions so it can work you know uh, yeah, I no, guess if no you reason. have
2: uh, if you have a nice sort of tuned in audience rather than just no, the yeah. general public. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But, but uh, well,
3: Windows did that, didn't they? The adver- and the advertising campaign was all about Windows. Was my idea. Yeah. I feel really old. I'm just saying. Oh, well, this has all happened before. But I suppose it is always a cycle. It's always Yeah. Exactly. Um, Dom, you're yes. going to be talking about Star Wars a little later. We don't want to spoil either the film or what you're going to be talking about, but. Do you have any thoughts on the design in Rogue One? The the sort of the conception of a future. And when you look back at the original Star Wars films and they look incredibly... um, I think they've they've sort of dated quite well, but they look like a very past version of the future.
4: Well, that's one of the really interesting things about Rogue One is because it's a prequel to uh, the original Star Wars film, sort of a very immediate prequel set just before that film. Uh, They've really gone to efforts to capture that same aesthetic and I think that ties into that authenticity uh, idea so like Mm -hmm. they've made a point of getting all of the fighter pilot extras to grow out their sideburns and moustaches so that they look like they'd been cast Mm -hmm. in the original 70s films and they've actually used some old footage some sort of uh, cut footage from the original film as well so you do have this mix of actual 70s extras (laughs) with current extras designed to look like they're from the 70s that uh, so
3: Harrison Ford had that, uh, sh- that shirt wide open, didn't he? With all his chest testing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was It's exactly. so funny that that was their idea of the future. But. That's always <laughs> been
2: one of my favourite things about the Star Wars aesthetic is that um, it looks like a very lived-in world. It's not like super futuristic. Like a lot of the spaceships have dings and like yep. dirt on them, and it, it looks like. Everything's a little bit rough and ready, and a lot of the droids are a bit sort of clunky and yeah. rickety and stuff like that rather than
3: everything's always broken yeah really i really i think broken.
2: it's interesting yesterday the um trailer well some like the teaser dropped for the new uh blade, blade runner. runner film uh blade runner uh twenty forty nine yeah um and the aesthetic of that looked very very similar to the original blade runner, even though it's a set like, sort of 20 years ahead 20 or 30 something yeah. like that yeah um, and it's still got that real sort of steampunk aesthetic and that you've got a lot a, great look. a lot of neon yeah. um like that that mm. vision of LA um sort of 30, 40 years in the future Um and it's interesting that they that Denis Villeneuve is doing the same thing um, that they're doing with Star Wars in terms of trying to keep that aesthetic and not trying to rethink it too much or like reinvent the wheel
3: The thing that they got really right in Blade Runner was the sort of corporateness of everything. Yes. I thought that was really nice. You get those about in Aliens as well. There's that whole Mm. thing about... What's it
4: called? Wayland yutani Wayland yutani I
3: knew you'd know that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, that's uh, that's 2017, I should say, um, which is coming up fast. I don't know where this year has gone. Um, Before we move on to our next topic, uh, let's go around the room. The question is this. 2017 or 2017. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> oh, it's got caring. Amazing. 2017. Uh, oh, let's hope so. Miriam Harris
1: 2017
3: and Don Preston 2017 really optimists oh this is fantastic why on earth are we optimists I
2: have no oh, idea
3: <laughs> I suppose there is very few people left to die I'm an so.
2: England football <laughs> I'm an England football fan so I, I know that like history doesn't affect my optimism levels <laughs>
3: I don't really understand that reference but I'm <laughs> anyway um, is, is there football next year no don't worry no football no more football uh, so uh, let's have a short break and when we come back we're going to talk about Christmas presents. Christmas present Scott Carey, as you know, it's better to give than to receive, which is why I didn't buy you a present. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to be pulling out of your sack on Christmas morning? <laughs> That's the second time I've I used that innuendo. You were going
2: to use that more than once. <laughs> um, no, I think uh, it's a good opportunity this time of year to talk about some of like the uh, things that have come out this year that we might be buying for people or we might be hoping for. Um, and I think like the big the big ones this year is is like which Games console to buy is always a big one. And I think this year more than ever, it's a really tricky one because there are so many of these weird new like hybrid variants. <laughs> There's like the PlayStation Slim, the PlayStation uh, Sorry, Pro. Pro, the Xbox One. Um, so trying to work out which one of those to buy is is going to be a big struggle for for consumers this year. Uh, I know that one of my colleagues has just bought the Slim, which is like two hundred sixty pounds, but then the Pro is three hundred fifty pounds. And then on top of that, you've got mm. um, the PlayStation VR and you've got the big rise yeah. of like VR um, this Christmas time. And you're always Christmas is always the time for the early adopters to sort of jump in and um, start looking at these things.
3: Well, this might be an interesting one because the, this, I think this is the first Christmas where VR has the potential to be mainstream, yes. a little bit mainstream. Because yeah. I think the early adopters have been going at it for a little while, um, but you might get some normals. <laughs> getting VR this Christmas it's still very expensive it is what's what's the best option on VR
2: well it, it Lewis um, Lewis painter is is the our expert on VR here and um talking to him over the past couple of months he seems pretty uh, bullish on PlayStation VR being the best option here uh, obviously the price difference isn't as um, isn't as useful to you if you don't have an existing PlayStation console right Um so the P- PSVR is like three is three hundred fifty pounds, maybe four hundred once you bundle it in the camera and the little light stabber, like pom poms that I like to call them. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But the Oculus Rift is like an extra hundred on that. The Hive, I think, is an extra two
3: hundred on that. And the Oculus, you'd need a PC. Yeah, um, it has to be a pretty pretty robust system. Yeah, I'm you guessing.
4: need something quite powerful to run Oculus games happily.
3: So I'm yeah. guessing this is a lot of this is going to depend on what people already own yeah and
2: also um just like aside from all of that um lewis seems pretty uh, convinced that the playstation is just the best of the bunch anyway in terms okay. of um how uh, sort of the the quality the quality of the build but also it's the only one that has like some really solid ip in, uh, behind it in terms of the games like there are some proper playstation titles with proper vr versions out that's ready for christmas
3: I suppose that's the question, is, is the content um, yeah. and how well... See, in a way, I'm almost thinking that it's better for um, IPs to be, to be new for VR mm. because I'm, I'm not sure, you know, you take, for example, um, a Final Fantasy game, if they converted that to VR, would it work as VR?
4: I think it depends a lot on the game. There's going to be a really interesting test of this in January, actually, because um, Resident Evil 7 is coming out. Now they and could work in VR. That is going to be the full game VR compatible, which oh, is one of the first horrible. ones that's happened. And it's going to be a yeah, it sounds absolutely awful. Horror really um, works as VR. So it, it, the whole game is first person. Um, so putting that in VR, I know the demo you can play in VR at the moment, I haven't had a chance to try it out in VR. But the demo is absolutely terrifying normally. <laughs> oh, God. the idea of going through that in VR and going mm. through that for the full 10 15 hour game like I just cannot imagine it's, like it's bad
2: enough.
3: enough yeah it's bad enough in like 2d <laughs> alone um, in VR I'm worried about trauma in this <laughs> yes I read this really interesting article about uh, VR being used for um, Interrogation and and military <laughs> oh, torture because its potential because of the immersion yeah you yeah can, you can sort of put somebody in almost any emotional state um, I think they described it as being like. Um, uh, The difference between that and normal torture is that there's no chance of dying. Mm. And that's like the downside, is that you'll never have the release of death. (laughs) (laughs) VR has got this potential to be this utterly nightmarish... Cheery, really cheery. thought we were trying
1: to be positive. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. thanks, David. good good thoughts. We've had
3: our cheery bit. (laughs) It's all downhill from here. scary bit. Uh, Well, Miriam, what's on your Christmas list this year?
1: Oh, well, I don't know much about technology, but I would say... you can't really go wrong with a coffee table book. <laughs> yeah.
3: Well, we've got the we've High got tech. the Apple one, haven't yeah, we? the new Apple book, which oh, is yes. did it did it
1: sell out? Actually, that's I true. mean,
3: you never know with the selling out if they only bought maybe yeah. sort of twelve copies yeah. or something. But that, was that actually looks quite cool. Yeah, how expensive I was know it? About that. I, I should know. This it, was, mind, it was it was it was multiple hundreds of pounds. Yeah, it was wow. a lot of money. And it's
1: just pictures, isn't it?
3: Yes, yeah, so there's yeah, no there's the... no sort of analysis of the design decisions behind no. each product.
1: Yeah, which I thought. That might
3: have been interesting, um, but... Talking of
2: really expensive Apple items this Christmas... <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was a really clunky <laughs> sale. Uh, the um, wireless AirPods are now available um, just in time for Christmas. Yeah. Do you um, think people
1: will actually wear them, Scott?
2: I, I don't know. Uh, they're bundled in, aren't they, with, with phones that you buy
3: now? No, you, no, you get the um, the what's the difference the, in that? the ear AirPods. pods are bundled with the iphone 7 but they're wired the AirPods uh, you have to buy separately
0: and okay they're, um, 150- you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host.
5: My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
2: £59. Pounds. Um, which I, when I first saw it, I thought that was terrifying and expensive. Yes. Yeah. And I've seen a few people being like, oh, well, that's more reasonable than expected. And I really can't seem to work out where people are putting this price point. The thing I find really funny about the AirPods um, and uh, I saw someone uh, talking about yesterday was you should be able to buy one because I'm definitely going to lose one. You can, you can. can. So they, yeah. this
3: is the interesting thing as well. Um, I say everything's interesting, but um, <laughs> yeah, it's sixty five pounds to get one replaced. Okay, yeah. which is less. You'll notice, Mass fans, that that's less than <laughs> half of the price of the two. And a lot of people have been saying, £65 for a replacement, that's, you know, that's an arm and a leg. Um, but I don't think it is. I think that's, I mean, what mm. did you expect to spend? Well, it works out quite
4: fairly if you think it's 65 for one, two of them makes 130, charging case a little yeah, bit more. Exactly. So it's I quite mean, a fair proportion of the full cost of the product.
3: Sometimes. I think How
1: long are, do they last before, like, do you have to charge them?
3: I think you meant before you lose them. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, a day.
1: A day. A day. Okay. Wait, it's
4: five hours in... The AirPods themselves will last for five hours, but the charging case holds 24 hours of charge, and you recharge them in the case.
1: Okay. okay. Oh, that's
4: Pretty quite cool.
3: The, the real issue I think most people have with the AirPods is whether they're going to fall out. Yeah. Um, and that's something you don't know until you try them. Um, yeah. My colleague uh, at Macworld US, Susie Ox has reviewed them, and she made a video of herself like, jumping up and down and dancing and, and like hitting the side of her head, yeah. like, and, uh, and they just didn't come out. They were perfect.
1: So when what's what kind of situation would they be best you know used in better than ones with the with the wire?
3: What's well, I think just
2: day to day. Really, yeah. I mean, I, I would probably just use them day to day, like on my commute. Um, I mean, At I the wear. gym. Yeah, I wear over. Uh, yeah, gym. I mean, gym is is, mm, is, is yeah. It depends on if stay whether in. they stay. Oh, that's yeah. the key. That's the key differentiator there. Uh,
3: but if you've got a scarf on, it <laughs> gets tangled up with that. Yeah, yeah. relevant this time of gym year. Gym in um, London. But I always always sort of, oh, yeah, you wouldn't have the scarf in the gym unless you're (laughs) being really weird. So
2: I'm just Um, interested if, like, and it's difficult to say without trying them, but like, I assume with Apple that they are of a very high quality and a very high quality sound-wise. Because the original white ones with the wired ones are okay. um, But for that price point, they they, they have to be pretty superior to um, some of the cheaper wireless headphones that are on the market.
3: Yeah, reports are that the audio quality is good. The fit is good. Um, the main um, problem, I think, is that it's the Siri control, mm-hmm. which seems to be quite clunky at the moment. Um, it's slightly awkward. I think you have to sort of tap them to activate Siri. Okay. And then there's sort of a limited um, sort of palette of, of uh, phrases that it responds to that aren't necessarily most intuitive at the moment. You, well, you no one uses Siri anyway, so we're fine. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <There's> <laughs> you need you need to use Siri with these. Otherwise, yeah, yeah. They're, they're no more convenient than than wired ones, really. Um, like there's an issue with the volume. Uh, increase it. You sort of you tap them and then you say volume up, and then it and then it increases the volume by I think two notches on the scale. Is that the only way to turn the volume up? Uh, well, you can still do it through so you your can phone. Do it through your phone, um, but that's the only way to do it with Siri. And even if you say something like because you know, I don't want to do that on the tube. Yeah, wouldn't yeah. people
1: find it weird talking yeah. to these? I don't like that idea.
3: I think that's when you have to get your phone out, and it's slightly annoying. Mm. Maybe at some point voice control is going to become normalised, but yeah, it definitely hasn't yet. No, um, it's got more a lot more reliable.
2: Yeah, like in, like in the movie, her like everyone's doing voice controls all the time, aren't they? Um, and I still haven't seen it. Oh, you not? I mean, yeah, it's it's really Is that like it, a
3: dystopian vision of hell. It's not dystopian. No. Well,
2: it's kind of dystopian. It's kind of in the middle, but um, a light <laughs> dystopia. It, it's um, a dystopian yeah, comedy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, basically, if like where's Anderson did a dystopia? It's a bit zany, um, <laughs> but it's a uh, yeah. It, it's sort of jarring watching it in that but you can you can definitely envision a world where, where it's a little bit more normal especially in urban environments where everyone's got their headphones in all the time yeah. um, going back to Star Wars quickly I thought it was interesting because my little cousin is a big Star Wars fan and I hate buying gifts for kids I find <laughs> it so yeah. difficult um, so I was hoping to get him some sort of Star Wars merch and the interesting thing about Rogue One um, which we'll probably get onto later is that where... The new Star Wars last year had like really merchable, like, yeah, uh, like, horrible, horrible. Yeah, so BB8, the little um, circular uh, droid, is uh, you can get a toy version of that remote control. Mm. Brilliant
3: gift. Well, Sphero did a really nice sort of take on that because they already had a little ball that could roll around, yeah, and they just basically had a little attachment that sits on the top. Yeah,
2: Um, and uh, I think a few of the characters from the new one um, are a little bit more sort of immediately recognizable. Uh, Also, they're are lightsabers yeah uh, but in rogue one there are um very few lightsabers uh which again is an easy gift um for a 10 year old boy uh <laughs> so i was really really struggling because
3: there's no jedi in rogue one uh, okay. i haven't seen it yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. there, yeah. Aren't yeah, no there are no jedi well there's uh, there's one is that darth vader yeah but he's <laughs> in the trailer so yeah okay i'm very disappointed about the lack of lightsabers. lightsaber toys though are a bit of a the sort of monstrosity. <laughs> not as good as actual lightsabers. I know, I know. But the whole thing yeah. about lightsabers is that they're like almost magical. Mm. Can they can they cut through anything? Is that right? Have I got that right? Uh, Except other lightsabers. Yeah, pretty
4: much anything. I'm I'm sure people who are bigger Star Wars fans than me yeah. immediately. You there know, will
2: be a Star Wars wiki or whatever it's called. Wookiee There'll Peter. be some Wookiee type of made P. up yeah. metal yeah.
4: that they can't cut through. Yeah, I've got no doubt.
3: Because there was that business with. Um, Adam Driver's lightsaber in uh, The Force Awakens. They yeah. had the side guards, yeah. but, the side, but they weren't completely made of light. So they were like little bits. So if you if you sort of, like, yeah. ching on his lightsaber and then ran down the length of it, it would just cut through the handle anyway. Oh, so yeah. his little side so guards it's were just no for
2: show. <laughs> yeah. But that, that kind of was an indictment of Adam Driver's character,
3: wasn't it? It was, because, yeah, it reflected his lack of um, self-control. Yes. Uh, this is all very exciting. Uh, I'm um, sure we're putting people to sleep. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, are there any non-Star Wars toys you're interested? There with? were, there were, not not so many
2: toys, just because again I find it really difficult to buy for children. Um, but one thing I did notice this year is that uh, it might be sort of in more ways than one the Christmas that Amazon owned, and Amazon sort of in- increasingly owns the shopping experience. But also their their products seem to be getting really popular this year. I um I know quite a few people that are getting or are asking for Amazon echoes. Yeah. Uh, I've got an echo really dot for my dad. Yeah, I've got an echo dot um that listening. I'm giving to someone. <laughs> and also the um
3: Will that person be listening to the podcast? <laughs> uh
2: probably not. <laughs> <laughs> that's just fair. <laughs> you you hope that family support, but you nah. <laughs> know. Um, I don't think
3: anybody in my family has listened to the podcast. Oh,
2: that's a shame. And then the other thing that I uh, got bought for my birthday, which I actually think is a really good product, so I'm now buying it for other people, is the Amazon Fire Stick. And I was really out on the Fire Stick. Um, But now that I've got one, I use it all the time. Like, I went home on Sunday. um, I... Really wanted to watch Die Hard. I didn't know what like streaming service it was on, so I literally just typed it in, and it was like, "Oh yeah, it's there on Netflix." Open Netflix, bang! I was watching Die Hard within a couple of minutes. That's so the dream, isn't it? Yeah. I think it's I think it's a really good product, <laughs> and it's forty five quid, which is a really reasonable price to buy for someone for Christmas.
1: Yeah,
3: yeah. Well, that's a pretty good point to end, I think, uh, by the fire stick. There you go. Yes, <laughs> that's what Santa's going to get for a lot of people now. Um, before we move on to our final topic, which uh, is Star Wars, obviously, uh, let's go around the room. Uh, question is the most wonderful time of the year, or now is the winter of our discontent? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Scott Gary. The most wonderful what, time the of the year. Why am I so optimistic?
1: What? What was the second option?
3: Now is the winter of our discontent. Have I got that right? Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, I think so. Well, Basically, that's... is Christmas bad? <laughs>
1: no. Wonderful time of year.
3: Oh, good. Tom? Yeah, most wonderful time of the year as well. Great. We are very actually optimistic. Yeah, We're really yeah, good. Yeah. Um, we'll be back after a short break to talk about Star Wars. Spoilers alert! Spoilers <laughs> alert! Spoilers alert! Actually, we will try not to do too many spoilers. Um, Dom, yes. you uh, have reviewed uh, Star Wars Rogue One for PC Advisor, I believe. Yep, that's right. Um, is it any good?
4: It is good. Very pleased to say it's good. I'll see end of the podcast. Yeah, right. we're done. <laughs> uh, Sorted. What, that's Go the review. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's pretty much all I wrote.
3: What's, uh, what's so good about it?
4: Um, got lots. So, so uh, just yeah, for those who don't know, it's um, a sort of standalone Star Wars film. It's the first one. So, it's not episode number anything. Uh, it's the first sort of spin off. There'll be another spin off in a couple of years with a young Han Solo. Um, this one is set immediately before the first Star Wars film. And it's about a group of rebels who are trying to steal the plans for the first Death Star. So they're trying to find that weak spot that Luke manages to target in the at the end of the first Star Wars film.
3: Okay, so right away we have a slight potential issue, which is that we kind of know what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah,
4: so it's all building towards an inevitable point. Um, but the film does a nice job of using that to its advantage. You kind of know where it's got to end up. The challenge is figuring out how it's going to get there. And also, because it's willing to go a bit darker than Star Wars films normally do, the question is, which of the characters are going to make it to the end? Is that, that
2: That's the thing I found interesting. Um, and like that's why the spoilers aren't really spoilers, if yeah. you're paying attention. Because if you've seen the original Star Wars movies, you kind of know where you're going to be at the end of this movie. There are certain aspects of it that are really interesting that you're going to want to find out. But actually, I had this weird, I watched it last night and had this weird sort of realisation about halfway through where I was like, oh, yeah, wait, th- this is a suicide mission. Like, they, these guys are probably not getting out of this. They, they, they And they're fully aware yeah. of that. Um, so it, it sort of raises the stakes of, of where yeah. we end up in terms of the, the sacrifice
4: that these guys make. And that sort of darkness is the bit that I really enjoyed about it. Yeah. Absolutely. It sets a different tone and f- what I thought, Partly because of that and partly because of some of the way it's shot and some of the way the action is staged. It felt to me like the first Star Wars film that where it lived up to the wars bit of the title. Um, you know, Star Wars always had a lot of action, but it's never really felt like war. It's, you know, rollicking, fun space adventure for the most yeah, it's part. Yeah,
2: always, it's always a happy ending. Um, yeah, the Clone Wars were, like, the
4: cleanest war Exactly. Ever. Whereas the this wars. really does kind of feel... <laughs> Yeah, this has that war film feel to it. They made a point of saying they were going for that sort of like classic World War Two film. Sort of, you know, group of soldiers behind enemy lines on a desperate mission. Uh, There's a lot of water. There's a lot of like yeah. sort of Saving Private Ryan-esque
2: like exactly. soldiers like fighting on the beach kind yep. of thing. Even though they filmed it in the Maldives, which <laughs> is slightly <laughs> different to filming it in um, Normandy.
3: It's not bad being an actor, is it? No. No. This is the second uh, consecutive film with uh, a female lead. Um, and I'm going to resist throwing this to Miriam she's the any <laughs> woman in the room. Um, it, how are they getting on with that? Because I remember with, um, uh, what's it called? The, uh, the Force Awakens, mm-hmm. uh, they the two leads were well, a woman and a black man. Yeah. And then, you know, people online were throwing loads of abuse at that because there it is. There's people online. Um, yeah. But this time I've heard less about that.
4: There's been less. Uh, there has been a bit. There was uh, the sort of alt-right movement have kind of moved to... um, uh, Boycott? Yeah, boycott, that's the word I'm looking for. Um, Boycott the film. uh, Apparently unsuccessfully, given what the first weekend's box office results were, which were very good. Um, But yeah, there was a bit of an alt-right sense of uh, not liking it again because of the female lead. It's just a fascinating decision um, on the group of a lot of the alt-right people that the film was somehow anti-Trump. Uh, there's nothing in the film that references Trump, even in some sort of very subtle, you know, wink-wink way.
2: Although, you know, the film is generally not very pro-fascist. Well, exactly, (laughs) that's the thing. It's anti-fascist. So by
4: saying it's anti-Trump, you're just basically saying, well, Trump is the empire. Basically, They're openly aligning themselves (laughs) with it. And people have been tweeting, I'm with the empire, as this sort of boycott Rogue One because it's anti-Trump, I'm with the empire. So you're really openly agreeing with the fascist space Nazis. Oh, come on. Um, but this is partly because one of the writers uh, tweeted and got in a little bit of trouble with Disney over it, apparently, uh, tweeted that the Empire were white supremacists and that that was part of the point of it, which I think is kind of what sparked, sparked it all off. Well,
3: that doesn't work, of course, because uh, the bloke in the last one was a stormtrooper and he was black, so... That's the first order,
4: though. That's not the Empire. Because oh, yeah. there, there was there was actually right? a point of this in, in Rogue One where there's a bit where they go to a scientific facility and they sort of bring out all the engineers, and I noticed that all six of the engineers were old white men. Yeah. And I was entirely thinking that's terrible, Star Wars. You know, put some women in there, put some ethnic minorities. And I thought, oh no, wait, it's the Empire. Yeah. Those are the baddies. Of course, they've only got old white men as their lead scientists. It's kind of the point, isn't it? And that's why. And the Rebels are this sort of ragtag
2: bunch. Like, and and the characters in Rogue One are actually a really strange mix of yeah. people like you've got um you've uh, got Jin, who is uh the the lead woman but then you've also got uh, uh an actor from hong kong mm-hmm. um i can't uh, i'm not sure where his partner's from but it's somewhere else in asia yep. and then who
3: has got a squid for a head yes <laughs> <laughs> the lead man is mexican
2: yep. um there's uh the uh Jin's father is Swedish. There's mm-hmm. this random mix of accents. and We've got Forrest mm-hmm. Whitaker
4: as Saul Guerrero. Yeah, no one ever
2: knows what accent he's trying no, to do. I I've went to see earlier this year and I have no idea <laughs> yes. what he was trying <laughs> to do in that.
3: Miriam, are you going to go and see this? You and me are the, are the two here that haven't seen it. I'm definitely going to see it. I think
1: you? you have to be a fan or at least have watched them or... You've not, not seen any Star Wars? I have though? not seen any, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I think it is, it is hard
3: to come in cold um, on Star Wars. Yeah. You could yep. be foreigners think. at this point. <laughs> do they have exactly. Star Wars in New Zealand? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yes. I feel like it was probably um, filmed there. Mm. <laughs> yeah, um, well, we said we'd do spoilers. Um, is there anything you want to talk about that is a spoiler does anybody die that you want to talk about
2: as we said earlier like there's no point in even spoiling it because it's you kind of know that these people are going into uh what is essentially a suicide mission and for me to tell you who dies and who doesn't would just be pointless you might as well just go and see it yeah um but then the thing that i found really interesting is that like and Family Guy have always been hot on this, is like one of the big criticisms of the original Star Wars film is that, like, the Death Star was way too easy to blow up. Like, it was, like, (laughs) this really obvious flaw that Luke Skywalker could go after and, like, hit it with his um, blaster and then, like, boom, the whole Death Star goes up. Um, Easy as that. And what this does is it kind of does this revisionist history thing where you realise that it's not a flaw that they missed in the Death Star, but it's actually put there by Jin's father, Who is a scientist for the Death Star, and he um, as he gets forced to basically work on this like nuclear weapon, and he embeds a um, like a weakness, a flaw in the Death Star, and then he transmits that message to his daughter and to the rebels to give them a chance to defeat um, the the Death Star, which is a really clever way of sort of covering up a flaw of the original movie. About what is it, forty years on, thirty years on?
3: Nearly.
4: Yeah, 35 or something, I think. Yeah. I feel yeah. so old. Uh, That'll be 40 next
3: year. Wow. Wow. Do we feel like Disney is um, doing a better job of this than we expected? Yeah. Because a lot of people went Disney. Yeah. What did they do exactly? They, they bought the they franchise? Bought all of they bought of Lucasfilm. Just bought the, the whole, whole IP. Yeah. Lost Stock and Barrel. Um,
4: um, but, I, I mean, I think they have done very well. I wouldn't say it's better than I expected because by the time they bought it, they'd already been running Marvel for years and doing a very, very good job. Of running the Marvel film properties and all of that. The, and, the
2: interesting thing with Rogue One is that um, they it was originally set up as a complete standalone war movie set within the same universe and then I think because of the success of Force Awakens they kind of had to bring it a little bit more in line with the rest of the of the Star Wars universe just because
4: money. Yeah I think there's a feeling there were sort of some prominent reshoots earlier this year and obviously we don't know for sure what was added what was taken away but there is I think a lot of the feeling that a lot of the Cl- closer ties between this film and the rest of the franchise were maybe some of the stuff added in later in the process once Force Awakens made all the money in the world. Yeah, some of the nods, some of the winks, and there's a lot of them. There's a lot of callbacks,
3: but there's still none of the same characters. Uh, Not in main roles. I mean, because no. of the huge. You know, there's there's a few
4: small time. you know characters that pop up in small bits, but yeah, yeah none of the main cast. Are and I've got to be honest, before. this puts me off a little bit.
3: Because I really enjoyed The Force Awakens and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing more of the Adam Driver character. Mm. Yeah. Who I thought was excellent. Um, and, and for you know to start from essentially scratch again. I know that I know the story sort of ties in, but mm. I liked... But I think it's about expanding the
4: universe. Yeah, Poe. I think it's Disney making an effort to expand Star Wars beyond just those episode films. And sort of the guy I went to see the film with you know, he, he sort of came out of it and said for the first time, you know, years of loving Star Wars films, watching this time this film was the first time he came out and thought he wanted to know more about what's called the Star Wars expanded universe. He wanted to go kind of play some of the other games, uh, read some of the books. You don't want to go it, down that rabbit hole. Sort of opened up that sense of, oh, there is more to Star Wars. There's more beyond just the Skywalker family. I, I,
2: I want to know more. I read more.
3: those novels. I read the Grand Admiral Thrawn novels. Wow. Oh, yeah. They were all right, but... I fact, no, they're really good. Yeah, I've you should. heard they're, good. <laughs> yeah, they're really good. I'd quite like to read them. No,
2: what, what I love about the, these sort of the idea of these anthology films or these spin-out films is that they are just a little bit more um, overtly sort of for an adult audience. I know it's a twelve A, yeah, um, and it's sort of uh, it's still quite Disney, but it also you know it's quite dark and it's it's a war movie and there's a lot of aspects to it that feel a little bit more like a proper adult film um and we never would have
3: expected that from disney no so
2: having like that and they pick good directors disney they pick the right people to lead these things um reshoots or no reshoots so i think there's there's a nice mix now of the 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 core movies that are for the whole family and then these movies which are maybe a little bit more for the older fans that grew up on it
3: good good point to end i think uh positive let's go around the room uh the question is rogue fun or rogue none uh, let's go the other way Dom uh, definitely rogue fun Miriam
1: well I don't know you could you say got rogue, to go rogue, rogue. rogue rogue none I suppose <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you told <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs>
3: me uh, rogue fun good uh, that's the end of the podcast um, thank you for listening to this edition of the UK Tech Weekly Podcast feel free to get in touch and let us know your thoughts and opinions to shake us down for cash or to pay us to have adverts Uh, You can tweet (laughs) us on any of those topics using the handle at Podcast, or you can email us on editor at idg.co.uk. If that sounds like something you'd like, find us on Acast, iTunes, SoundCloud, and various other podcast sources. And don't forget to subscribe, comment, like us, and tell your friends. Until then, say goodbye, guys. Goodbye. 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 UK Tech
5: Weekly Podcast. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter.